Good evening, afternoon, morning, night, whenever you find your way to see or watch this podcast. I'm joined once again as Omar from the Hardware Pod, and I'm joined once again by uh, by an old friend of the podcast. Sorry, I just saw a tweet notification on my phone. <laughs> by an old friend of the podcast, Dan, the man, Steen Cammer, our relative, our resident CAA expert, and I mean, all other FCS, really, football experts. <laughs> so Dan, how's it been? Oh, it's been good. It's it's been busy. I've been doing some summer work, some off season off season grinding a little bit, just getting 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 the budget ready for this fall and hoping to travel around a little bit again, see some see some uh, more venues and things like that. So life's good, uh, but it's good to catch up with you. I know we had a false start and getting connected, so I, I apologize for that in front of everybody. I know you've been saying no, no, but I apologize for that. It's good to be back though. And uh, this is a nice topic because I think this is a program we're about to discuss who uh, really doesn't get enough shine and uh, and uh, for a number of different uh, reasons. But I think especially in the new look CAA, I, you can't rule this this team out uh, being a, a, a more frequent contender. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, shoot, no need to apologize on air. I mean, I totally <laughs> understand things happen. But uh, yeah, like, I mean, for me, I mean, I'm more of a sort of like logistics of college football guy. Um, and as a fan of the history of college football, I mean, I like the allure of intersectional matchups. And that's pretty much that's part of what we're going to talk about today, as well as an outlook of the, the program. I mean, if you haven't, uh, if you're not a CAA connoisseur, like FCS uniform connoisseur, uh, you would not, I mean, you would have guessed by now that we're talking about the main black bears and uh the root of the root of this conversation is um is the, earlier this week they scheduled or either this week or last week they scheduled a an away game at florida international in miami and i mean this this would fly by under the radar if it wasn't for another game this season in fact where they go all the way to albuquerque new mexico to play the new mexico lobos and um this also too concurrently oddly enough the main black bears also scheduled a couple of road games with boston college continuing that long-standing series with the boston college eagles um but it, it raises a question too it's like why why main why is maine as a program scheduling these uh these intersectional matches for so like for at, at really far distances considering how kind of remote they are I guess in their own conference too. So they're the they're I think uh, I believe the northernmost school in the uh, in the Colonial Athletic Association, and they're scheduling these uh, these these intersectional games because it's not just these two FBS games. They also have visits to North Dakota State and Montana State coming up. So I mean, Dan, I want to know your thoughts on this. Maine is an aggressive out of conference scheduler, somewhat out of necessity, but they also just don't shy away from it. Now, uh, Nick Charlton was while he was the head coach at Maine, was the youngest head coach in the CEA. So I, I feel like I connected with it. When I was first getting started and doing a conference media calls regularly, I feel like I kind of connected with Coach Shelton a little bit, if only because like I could relate to him. He seemed like he was, I mean, he's a professional. He's, he, he is on top of his game. I, you know, I don't, I don't cite his youth as a disqualifier whatsoever, because I guess I'd be doing that to myself too, if I were to say that, but all that <laughs> to say, I always felt like we, we connected a little bit, even, even if it was over zoom and whatnot on those media calls. And he spoke openly many times about this is how it is at Maine. We're going to be playing two FBS games annually as a matter of certainly the guarantees help the budget. And it's something that was necessary for the bottom line or really just balancing out expenses at Maine, but also because they just don't shy away from the challenge. I mean, it's not as if Maine is scheduling two power fives annually. You're typically seeing them play, you know, a remote group of five relative to them geographically, and then maybe, uh, maybe a power five or G five 
who's a little more geographically sensible, at least as sensible as you can get for the northernmost school in the, in the FCS, in all the FCS, or at least in the East Coast FCS. I, I won't test myself on the across East and West geography. Who, who's, who is the higher, who's northernmost, I guess, from uh, Maine to, to, the, to the West Coast? I guess I won't get myself in that hole, but certainly for Maine, uh, th this is a common sight for, for me to see for uh, longtime CA observers to see a game at New Mexico. And then uh, a couple of weeks later, heading to Boston College. This is just something that Maine has embraced. I think competitively, it does hurt because when you're looking at a, a brutal CEA schedule year in and year out, uh, you could look at the CEA and say it's a little, a little bit less so than it is in the past with losing the Kingpin in, in JMU and, and have, needing to see how Hampton and Monmouth adjust uh, to that new setting before A&T arrives in, in, 20, in 23. So certainly, even when you take the changing CEA into account, it's a difficult conference schedule, let alone having two FBS games annually. So I think it hurts Maine, certainly from a competitive point. It'd be hard to argue anything else. I guess that's stating the obvious. Um, but they have a propensity to pull it off because they're scheduling at least one FBS game that I would say reasonable. And, you know, the, the word is winnable sometimes, a winnable game, but that that's a little extreme to say, but reasonable games like, like such as the one in New Mexico, Maine's taken them. I mean, they did defeat UMass who you can't, you can't necessarily say is, is, is a, uh, you know, to write home about, but it's an FBS win. The scholarship difference is there. Uh, so we can all make the jokes about UMass and everyone loves to tweet, you know, UMass will be down in the CEA before they know it. They'll be dropping down before they know it. I don't, I don't know. That's realistic. Uh, given everything that UMass is trying to do to find an FBS conference home for football. But certainly UMass, it's no Titan in the FBS. Maine just thumped them in, in 2021. I mean, the Maine Athletic Department right now is running a story on, on goblackbears.com, which uh, they're doing a great job with, by the way, which is a series of Maine's across its athletic department, its top moments of this past academic year that we've just completed here as June ended. And number five ranked by the uh, Maine department was football beating UMass, and they got their fourth FBS win in program history uh, with that win. It just, I mean, the fact that it was a plus 25 win differential, I mean, to win 35 to 10 in Amherst was just a great look for the CEA. Of course, the CEA doesn't mind uh, defeating UMass after it left for the CEA and the FCS uh, for FBS independence uh, years ago and a stint in the MAC as well. But that's, that's all enough UMass talk for now. But it is something that Maine doesn't shy away from. They've gotten a win as recently as last fall playing an FBS foe. And so I think uh, Jordan Stevens, who takes over uh, for Coach Charlton, who is now the uh, OC at UConn uh, for Jim Mora, Jordan Stevens is a Maine man himself. He, he's a Maine alumnus. So he, this is nothing new to him either. He, he embraces this is that black black hole identity of Maine. They play that hard-nosed style of play, especially on defense. And they take that to uh, two FBS teams a year. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I was, I, I was not aware that they scheduled two teams a year, and that was like their model. Um, I was aware that they did beat UMass because uh, UMass got thumped. They went 0-2 in CAA play yep. this past year, um, which, I mean, if you look at this game with New Mexico this year, you have a team in New Mexico, uh, the worst offense in the conference on a lot of metrics, like the worst offense averaging only 12 points a game. Uh, but again, like if you look at conference strength, I mean, just, I mean, at the base level, New Mexico, New Mexico is in a conference and and probably the second best group of five conference, if not a conference that will be the best group of five conference uh, once all those teams defect from the American in 2023. And I mean, this is a very winnable game for, uh, for Maine, honestly, with, uh, with, especially with offensive woes of New Mexico, of UNM, Houston Baptist was very competitive this past year uh, without, of course, this being their first post uh, Bailey Zappi year. Uh, They're competitive in that game, only losing 27 to 17. Um, and this would this would be a really quality win. I mean, it's not just a, a win that people dismiss like, hey, it's UMass. I mean, New Mexico, they beat Wyoming, a team that, you know, beat 
a team that beat uh, Kent State in, in the Potato Bowl, a division champion, uh, a group of five division champion in the in Potato Bowl. So this is, a, this, I mean, this is a very solid win. And I guess like in terms of funding too, because I mean, the travel, I mean, it's only going to get worse, I guess, in the CAA with them adding those Southern teams uh, for Maine. I mean, it's only going to get worse for them in terms of football. So like getting those funds is, is very key. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I kind of wonder too, if this, if this serves as sort of like a recruiting advantage, um, a recruiting advantage, and I guess an incentive for fans of, of the program to like travel and make these trips, because I mean, I, I compiled a, a short list, of like future trips that are similar in nature to this. I mean, I only found like three schools making trips like this, you know, you have Stony Brook going to San Diego state in 2025, you have Rhode Island going to Atlanta and facing Georgia state at, um, at center park stadium, of course, the former home of the Braves. Mm-hmm. And then you have Monmouth going down to Miami uh, the next year as well, which I mean, it's a bit, it's a, it's a bit of a kind of a faux uh, CAA AAC challenge, I guess. So what's it, what's it called? Like, or it's like a, an anagram, or it's like or a, a palindrome, a bit of a palindrome challenge with those two. Uh, That's a, yeah, palindrome two. challenge. That's a good one. Yeah, we have to take that and run with it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, a palindrome challenge of, uh, of, I mean, between those two conferences. So, I mean, I kind of wonder if this serves as, like, a recruiting advantage. I mean, um, you know, for for Maine fans to see Albuquerque, you know, taste some of the green chili that I've enjoyed for uh, <laughs> during most of my teenage years. And then uh, going to uh, Miami for, especially, I mean, more so Miami and Albuquerque. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm going to call, I'm not going to. You know, call I'm gonna call a spade a spade. Miami is a is a better vacation spot than Albuquerque. Um, you know, throughout I mean, yeah, all year. I mean, so yeah, I mean, I kind of I kind of wanted that. I want to get your take on that. Well, I think I think it's interesting. So to ask about recruiting, Maine has a has a special battle when it comes to recruiting because they need to recruit certain kinds of players who are ready to go to co- out of state players many times because Maine is not known as a an FCS high school, even an SCS level recruiting, you know, hotbed, anything, not anything near that uh, for the FCS level of, of play. So not to slander Maine high school football, because I'm not a Maine high school football expert, but I'm just, in general, you see a lot of people, uh, players on Maine's roster who are from out of state and Maine is winning over those players, players who are willing to go to go, willing. I say willing to only because they're adjusting to the extreme uh, winters of Orono, but playing up then in the northernmost school in the CEA and one of the most Northern and all the FCS, it's just it's just up there. It, it's remote, so making these trips, it is appealing to players across the board. But wherever you are geographically playing an FBS opponent, you're getting the environment of playing an FBS school, and so that that kind of applies across the board, I guess. So it's not as much specific to Maine. Uh, uh, Fan wise, I don't, I'm not certain how um, enthusiastic Maine fans would be about the length of like every year there's a longer FBS trip, but it's coupled by a shorter FBS trip, such as this year's to Boston college. So I think it probably evens out for fans. You know, the most dedicated followers of Maine football can appreciate that they're getting a, a couple checks a year. The program is getting supported that way. And at least one of those checks, the fans also win a little bit because they get a chance to, uh, to show the support. Uh, and in the case of the UMass game, I'm sure there were some black bear fans in Amherst who are just ha- having a ball to be winning by over 20 against an FBS opponent who was a conference rival not that many years ago. But in recruiting, Maine relies more so on it's, you know, how Eastern Washington uses EKGs, Eastern kind of guys. Uh, which is a very popular slogan for Eastern Washington. Maine is really a mirror of that, which is funny the way they met in the semifinals years ago in, in 2018 when Maine made that run in the FCS playoffs. It's funny because I really think of these programs as mirroring each other. Um, Maine is known as kind of that black hole. Their, their stadium is getting a lot of work. I call it the black hole because of the black hole defense 
that Maine uh, likes to likes to call it itself or refer to itself as. And they're putting a lot of up, a lot of updates in that stadium, new turf, enclosing one end zone, uh, doing work on, on a multi-purpose facility that will be beyond one of the end one of the end zones uh, through support of the Harold Alphon Foundation. That's really providing a lot of transformational money to get those facilities up to a competitive level in the CAA, even after JMU and its facilities are, are long gone. So I think that Maine is doing all it can to continue to kind of mirror what Eastern Washington does in recruiting main kind of guys, those MKGs, which I guess that's a machine gun killer. Or no, that's machine gun killer is MGK. Okay. MKGs. I'm getting my letters confused too now. <laughs> MKGs, main kind of guys. And those are the guys that I, that's the kind of brand that Maine wants. So I think especially Jordan Stevens coming in, being a Maine alumnus, he'll just continue that very seamlessly from first was Joe Harris-Simiak, of course, who was very successful as a coach leading that 2018 playoff run. And that included a CAA championship. The, the Maine won that CAA championship that year. Uh, so that was just really something, a real, a real pinnacle of their recent program history. Uh, but it's begun from Harris-Simiak to Charlton. I have a lot of confidence that Jordan Stevens, another, another young coach, as it turns out, but somebody who is a main kind of guy himself. So that's really, I think, where main recruiting is focused on. But there's a balance to these trips, right? It goes back to our, 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 first, our first point of discussion is there's a longer one. And then they, they, they're strategically coupling that with, with a trip such as BC, such as UMass. Uh, there may be other more regional games that are, I don't have in front of me as well. But it, it is definitely, I think, a, a responsible way for Maine to schedule. They're not just taking the biggest check they can get because they could just go ahead and go to New Mexico and go to like Oklahoma or something, right? Like they, they could just cash the biggest checks possible. Uh, but that's just not how that's not that hasn't been their style or approach. They've been more strategic about that. And I, I have a lot of respect for that. So even though it's something that's very necessary uh, for Maine to do, it's something that I don't foresee them really changing their tune on in future years, just because they're locking themselves into these schedules years ahead, which I mean, every, it's not new. Everybody is doing that, making sure they're getting their games in place, but because they're making these commitments, I don't see it changing anytime soon, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a responsible way of going about it because they're not simply in it for the most money, planning their planning, flying their players <laughs> across the nation, you know, in, in a span of a couple of weeks to, to play two power fives in something that would be a little more outrageous in terms of competitiveness and, and player safety. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a great point for sure, too. I mean, about like the recruiting of a main kind of guy and to expand upon your recruiting point. I mean, just having, I guess, that sort of game in Miami, you know, next year could do wonders for, you know, having a foot in that recruiting territory and, you know, you know, giving, I guess, players the, I guess, the possibility of playing in front of their their family yep. in Miami, in that rich Miami recruiting area. I mean, one of the richest in the, in the country. I got to say, before we turn the page on this topic, one word of advice for our main fans is, uh, you know, if uh, for, I guess, main attendees, if, you're, if your girlfriend says she's going on a, on a trip to Miami, girl's trip to see a main FIU Miami, gentlemen, that's not your girlfriend anymore. <laughs> that's all I got to say. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, don't fall for it, you know? I mean, uh, and, I, and I'm just warning you guys in advance. Sorry about yeah. it. But, um, yeah, but you know, yeah, you knew you about it ahead of time now. Can't say you didn't hear about it. Omar told you. Yeah. yeah, just go back to this trip and, uh, and you know, I, I warned you. But, I mean, yeah, that, that's, that's a great point, too, where I guess, like, they, they got to recruit out of state, too. And uh, I guess playing in, in, I guess, these, like, large, I guess, whether, I guess, you know, large markets, you know, elsewhere, uh, even though, I mean, New Mexico is kind of a barren land in terms of college football, college football recruiting. I mean, you know, anytime I played in high school and there was like a guy that was even recruited by a D1 school outside of the stadium next, we we're like, oh man, that guy's a, that guy's got that dog in him. You know? <laughs> so um, yeah, but I mean, that's, that's a great point for sure. I guess um, looking at these games, like uh, I guess turning the page, looking at these games and their actual outcomes, 
Um, you know, how does UMass, I mean, excuse me, how does Maine fare, uh, especially in this game against New Mexico this year? And then I guess looking ahead into um, Florida International, because like Florida International is probably one of the uh, the worst programs in college football, I guess. And they will be, I think, a long term until they get a new administration that actually cares about football. Um, yeah, I mean, to not, I guess, put it bluntly, you know. I absolutely well for, I agree with you about FIU reading some of the stuff that, that's come out of I, the reporting there has been really that's another podcast probably but it's kind of, yeah. kind of staggering stuff for uh, even a G5 level I mean once you're in the FBS you wouldn't expect to see that stuff but anyway that that's a tangent that, I, that I'll stay away from for now to, to stay locked in on, on the Black Bears I think the biggest story when you look at Maine this year and you try to project their entire schedule and, and not just the FBS opponents is the return of Joe Fignano at, at quarterback uh, they lost Fignano to injury uh, when they were playing in Harrisonburg against James Madison. And Derek Robertson, the backup quarterback, uh, stepped in and really, I thought, developed as the year went on. I give Nick Charlton a lot of credit for uh, helping Derek through that process, but you got to give Robertson credit to his own merit uh, for growing into that role and uh, keeping Maine. Maine was a competitive team through the end of November. They did not just they did not completely falter. This is a team that finished with a respectable record in the CAA, uh, certainly had a, had a stronger finish uh, than some others. I mean, I'm right here at Delaware and Delaware endured a coaching change right after the season concluded. So, you know, some schools hit the skids down the stretch when they're, when it's an uphill battle down, you know, when you see it's an uphill battle in October, you know, some schools don't respond as well to that as others, but Maine had that, you know, I, this is all the intangible stuff and, and all the fluffy duffy, but I got to say, I do think Maine had that, had that dog in them to use to, to steal your phrase from earlier. So Joe Fignano returning from his injury at quarterback this season it is, is a big start. Uh, for Maine. This is a program that has turned out some really nice talent, but has lost it to other programs. You know, I think of Ramon Jefferson, who before he burst on the scene to everybody else at Sam Houston, he was a really nice tailback at Maine. Uh, so this is a team that still has Jamil Wiley uh, at defensive line. He's going to be a graduate student from my home state of Delaware. Uh, he's from Newcastle, which is across the way from me here, here in my county. So got to shout out a, a 302 product in, in Wiley. But I, I like the quarterback depth to get back to QBs to have both Robertson and Fignano back really you like having two options especially it, it, the way the CA games are played still very defensive oriented you, you're going to need a couple quarterbacks who have game experience to really feel good about uh, where you are just some other talent sprinkled through in there throughout uh, the main roster that really stands out to me Elijah Barnwell is a uh, running back transfer from Rutgers who who got some experience uh, last season and, and I'd look for him to uh, really take another step up and improve his Big Ten background of course you don't just get starts or get carries uh, from by the name of the school that you transferred from. But I, I think Elijah Barnwell has a chance to really uh, to earn more of those, more earn more of those reps and continue what's been a, a nice main running back tradition. I, I think as far back as uh, Joshua Mack, you'll probably remember that name. He ended up at Liberty. Uh, Josh Mack is, is another running back who was at Maine. So, uh, but the skill positions really have more talent than people really give credit. Uh, Shane, or excuse me, Sean Bowman is another uh, Delaware native, actually. He's uh, from Bear, Delaware, and he's a senior tight end who I really like. So really, I'm just looking through this roster and seeing names that you recognize as being, if not all conference, near all conference players. So you look at Maine overall, their CEA schedule breaks in some good ways, I think they avoid Delaware this season, who is traditionally, and I say this for, I keep mentioning Delaware and everything, but the Blue Ends are preseason top 25 ranks. So Delaware is not in the schedule at all. They, the Black Bears host Villanova and Monmouth. And I consider two of those schools to be heavy playoff contenders as well. So you get those schools at home uh, and you get Richmond at home as well. So some of your toughest games on your schedule are at home. You don't go to Delaware. 
you don't play Delaware at all, as I've said. Uh, and you do, of course, get New Hampshire, which is uh, New Hampshire with Rick Santos at the helm there, uh, kind of continuing what Sean McDonald's done, but also giving a new flavor, a new boost there will be very interesting as well. So Maine, if it can take care of business, I'd say it might be teams underrated in the preseason poll. I mean, I could see them anywhere from like seven to, I, I don't, I can't see Maine double digits, but maybe they would get disrespected to that level. I, I could see Maine getting that disrespect, but I, I see them outperforming their preseason poll expectation wherever they do fall, unless it's top six in the conference uh, in preseason poll that predictive predicted order of finish might not look so good because Maine Maine has that propensity just to, to turn heads a little bit as the year goes on. Uh, it's putting a lot of trust in Jordan Stevens as a first year head coach. Uh, but at the same time, that Bryce Kyle musket game, we talked about all fair about the Bryce Kyle musket UNH Maine. That could be very meaningful if, if UNH turns things around as well. So that's a long winded answer to say that I think Maine is one of those schools that folks in the CA forget about sometimes, or maybe get excluded from, from the conversations of contenders annually, but there are some dogs on the roster. Uh, it's a matter of putting it together. We really didn't get to see a full main team. Losing Fagnano is a big deal. He's an all-conference quarterback. He really might make some more national noise. He can just put together a full season, and he has the uh, support of, of the rest of his offense. But I do like Maine. It, it's putting a lot of trust in Maine. There could be uh, tricky spots along the way. Of course, having two FBS games, you could end up with two losses before you even enter October, so that's troublesome. Um, there are, there's a road trip to Stony Brook, which I think, Stony Brook is one of the schools that I'd want to have on the road. And, and I, that's a road trip I would take if I'm Maine, but certainly it's not necessarily an easy game to have at all. Delaware got whipped pretty good at Stony Brook uh, this past fall. So th that is just the longest answer ever to say that I do like Maine. I do like his outlook, not just in the FBS game, but overall, uh, but the bigger, the bigger FBS game that, that to pay attention to competitively would be that New Mexico game uh, because BC, it, 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 I talked about recruiting where Maine's recruiting the, the main kind of guys Balls in college wins a lot of those recruiting battles just naturally. They're, you know, they're a P5. They, they can run New England in some ways in recruiting. So balls in college might be a tough ask, but that New Mexico game right out the gates, that's where you want. You want to catch a team napping in, in its opener. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I don't think they'll be going to as, as tough an environment with, uh, with you know, you and M because I mean, I've been to that state and been to um, in a few home games in my day. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a program that is kind of, I won't say far, but it's not the Bob Davy years. I mean, yeah. the Bob Davy years coincide when I was in high school, the height of the program, couple eight and four years, you had them, uh, you know, beating New Mexico or beating Boise State, excuse me, beating Boise State on the road and one of the biggest point spread upsets of the decade um that year and then they ended up playing Arizona in a game that I was at I mean they played Arizona in the Mexico Bowl and played them neck and neck in 2015 and then the next year you know the pieces were just put together where they were in the mix to win the uh, Mountain West Mountain Division and all because of that triple option offense and I mean um if honestly if, I, if I'm if I mean if I'm being honest they should switch back to that full time uh, but that's another discussion for another time we saw shades of that but only out of necessity against Boise State where, um, you know, I mean, I figured I thought I heard something about New Mexico running triple option. Uh, and I found out it was in the Boise State game where they had a walk on, I guess, like not a walk on, but a student manager that used to play on the team uh, <laughs> playing quarterback that game. Wow. One of the wilder stories in the 2021 season. But definitely, like, I think I feel like the formula for beating a um, there's a couple formulas for beating a team, an FBS team. There's the Eastern Washington approach where, like, you're you know, you, you get you engage in a shootout. 
and you know the best you know the best gun wins like the you know the more the more accurate more potent gun wins more more potent offense wins we've seen that with a uh, eastern washington from time and time again there's also the i guess the approach where like, you wear teams down you stay in the game and you wait for your team to make mistakes and the second time and this and this approach i can see this shaping out for me with a strong run game with the uh, quarterback and joe fat um, fagnano who can make plays i know they're returning their leading rusher i believe a main's returning their leading rusher from the season last year so and the defense wasn't bad by any by today's standards um they weren't they weren't great uh allowing 27 points per game but they were that i mean that's not bad at all so i mean especially with an offense as inefficient as new mexico was i don't have the advanced metrics in front of me but i just have the uh, old school statistics in my uh in my athlon sports uh, my athlon sports preview but um but yeah like this is definitely a game to watch out now boston college um i i've been on the boston college hype train for the past two years and i will i will continue to be on the hype train with the phil jerkovic i mean maybe they can be competitive in that one i i mean they can be competitive but i just don't see them winning it but um if uh you know with, with all the factors of New Mexico being how they played last year and like the this lack of a significant home field advantage where you have a lot of a, a lot of New Mexico fans probably looking at this, looking at this as a game like where, you know, they, they shouldn't care. I mean, there's no regionality to it. It's an intersectional matchup, which I mean, I not everyone's like me loving these intersectional games. <laughs> So, you know, uh, I can I, appreciate I can them. You're not alone. I can appreciate them. You're not alone. Now, see, this yeah, USC, yeah. UCLA intersectional stuff becoming a conference is a different story, maybe. But uh, but that, again, let me not interrupt this whole podcast for a totally different, like three podcasts oh, yeah. in one, probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, on that note, you know, USC and UCLA moving to the Big Ten kind of spoils the charm of intersectional matchups because, like, these games used to be very rare, you know. I mean, not very rare, but, like, there's only a few games a year, even in this day and age, that are, like, true, like, bona fide intersectional matchups with like these two matchups with Maine and uh, New Mexico and Maine and Florida International you know being like those like true old school like uh snowbird type trips where you're getting mm-hmm. out of the uh, cold of Maine into the uh these warm environments but yeah like I mean I'm excited to see where they I mean where they end up in I mean this could be a signature win for the CAA and even then you know like if they like if they have that signature win, I mean, there's still the CAA sl- like, like slate that they have to get through, honestly. Um, and yeah, so I mean, it, it's intriguing. This, I mean, these their FBS games are intriguing. And their slate is too. I mean, sometimes in a conference, you mentioned that they dodge Delaware this year. Sometimes in a conference, that's all it takes. In in a large conference, dodging those teams is all it takes, especially with when it comes to either making a cha- a conference championship run in the FBS or getting that at-large spot in the FCS, which is a case where it's like you dodge those teams, you know, there's a plausible deniability that the team <laughs> right. is, you know, that the team is good. So, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be looking forward to it. Well, let me clarify too. I, I, I just look at me. I'm going to be, der- I'm going to be derided as a Delaware guy here. I'll bring up the blue ends one more time. It Maine avoids Delaware with Nolan Henderson or the Delaware without Nolan Henderson, because if Delaware does not have Nolan Henderson for some point in the season, then it's not the same. It's not even a dodge. It's just like, Oh, they could have played Delaware without Nolan Henderson. That, that probably would have worked out. Okay. For me. So <laughs> that, that's a, that's, that's Delaware stories. They'll need Nolan Henderson, a healthy at quarterback, but uh, looking at Maine's team stats again, just because you brought up, I wanted, I wanted to go even deeper. So among CEA offenses who are returning, so I'm excluding James Madison's rolling up 38.3 points a game in 2021. Maine finished third among returning CEA schools with 25 points a game, and that was without Joe Fignano at quarterback uh, for, much of, uh, for much of the season. So that, that's really telling. Now, I was somewhat surprised to see that, that 25 points a game was good for, four, for fourth overall in the league in 2021 counting James Madison, but it's a, it is a defensive conference. I, I still think in, in many ways now 
I could be completely <laughs> off base and this fall could be opening up, opening up the uh, floodgates when it comes to scoring as you had a couple of new schools coming in, maybe things change up just a tad, but uh, so Maine has maybe has a way, little ways to go on defense. Maybe the black hole defense needs to uh, tighten up a little bit. It can't be feeling too. I mean, they allow 10 points against UMass, but maybe they need to tighten up on the FCS competition. And, and that's something that's very doable. Uh, Coach Stevens' uh, background is on defense. I believe he was a linebacker or he, I believe he played on defense in his time at Maine. I should have that uh, footnote in front of me, but he uh, is just, you wouldn't be a Maine kind of guy if you weren't defense first, or at least defense priority where, I mean, it's, it's not like that everywhere. Delaware just hired a very offensive minded coach and that, and that's their own, you know, strategy. They're going to become a kind of an offensive minded program in some ways, but uh, so certainly got a lot of respect for Maine, what it was able to do on offense. The fact that they finished third in the conference in, in points a game without Fignano, uh, but it's going to take a balanced team to make its way through that CEA schedule, because if you have any deficiencies, you're going to be exposed. That happens in the big sky and the Missouri Valley and other, many other FCS leagues too. But I just think in the CA where it's very close top to bottom in terms of it's not really that much of a shock to see the bottom team, the quote bottom team, you know, take off anybody but JMU in the past, really. Like, I mean, now the way it's constructed this fall, it, week to week, you don't know what you're going to get even more than it has been in the recent past. So Maine to survive that will need to be a little more balanced. But looking at the offense more closely, those points per game, uh, I believe the efficiency, uh, this, the, the rushing and passing totals. I mean, there, there, there are things to work with here. Uh, when you're Maine, Maine was not really a bottom feeder statistically, even though they just don't get talked. It just, you think they were a bottom feeder, not to disrespect the program, but it's just that the discussion isn't there as much. Uh, so, I mean, I got a lot of respect for the Banger Daily News, who does a great job covering Maine on the beat. I, I crossed paths a little bit with their uh, beat reporter on Zoom and whatnot. But um, this is a matter of the conversation nationally. That dialogue isn't there. So I'm glad that you brought it up. I'm glad you reached out. And yeah, I mean, we're going to see exactly what Maine is made of with a healthy Joe Fignano, because I wrote about in a hero sports column, well, I guess it was, it was a column uh, in some ways, just pointing out the fact that the CA race's complexion was changed completely by the number of starting quarterback injuries that had occurred. UNH didn't even have Max Brosmer all season long. It's easy to forget that Brosmer uh, was out uh, before things even got going uh, with his own injury that was season ending. So certainly these quarterbacks across the board in the league, Maine is no different uh, getting its starter back. And uh, it's a school that should not be slept on. Don't sleep on the Black Bears. Don't hibernate. Uh, because I'll gas them up on the pod, but I really think it's going to age okay, or more than okay, because Maine has it doesn't really let you down. That 2018 run is deep in my mind. Uh, in, that was an impressive run to go on the road to Weber State and, and take a win like that to advance to the semifinals. I know that they had to fly to Weber back home and then back out to Shaney to uh, face Eastern Washington, and that didn't go so well in the, in the semifinals that they did make in 2018. But Maine is a program with that potential. I mean, we talked off, off air a little bit. What, what, is, what is the program all about? They were in the final four of the FCS about four years ago. So I, I do not have, uh, I don't hesitate to say that Maine is a school that, 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 that should continue to be mentioned. Yeah. And you mentioned the semifinal appearance like four years ago. I feel like that's what you get with a regionally charged league, I guess not charged, regionally centered league, um, kind of like the Mac, how the Mac's always cyclical. And I, I feel like I've mentioned that too, when we're talking CA. I feel like I mentioned this to you like before, like we have a, you have a geographical league with like, you know, I guess schools like fighting for the same recruiting resources where it's just count, it's just bound to cycle through. Like, uh, I think you mentioned Rhode Island, not making the playoffs since like 2015 or so being like that team, the longest drought in the conference. So, I mean, it's cyclical. I mean, they could, they could have, they could have next, the Black Bears could have next. And um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really all to say. I do want to address an error I made and an, an error of omission that I made in the podcast of course i didn't mention next year's trip to uh, hawaii for albany uh being one of those huge intersectional games i failed to mention that so uh great danes fans please apologize and i just got to say one word of advice you know um use a football game as an excuse to visit hawaii be a man yep. 
So uh, that's, that's, that's all I got to say there. I mean, that's what I'm doing. That's after they go to Waco for Baylor this fall. I, I'll interject real quickly. So. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My friend, uh, or, you know, co-host Jackson, co-host Jackson, you know, uh, did live in Waco for some time, you know, went to the Texas Tech uh, campus in Waco. So if he was still there, I was telling Jackson, I was like, hey, Jackson, be the tour guide for the great people of Albany. I think I tweeted that out in, a, uh, you know, FC, when FB schedules released that matchup. But uh, yeah, I mean, I know uh, on that Hawaii note, I'll be using the Fordham Hawaii game in 2028 already as a uh, excuse to uh, to go to Hawaii. And uh, yeah, I remember I was at a game at Rose Hill Gymnasium, uh, the winter of 2020, but when that game, the year that game was actually supposed to be played. And they uh advertised the uh the rams in paradise travel package and it had uh the rams logo with a lay around its neck or oh the, the lay around it and um and it said like it was like uh you know you stay in the team hotel uh i, I forgot the price of the package it was a really good deal like of course you fly there on your own but you pay for the team's like i mean you're on like the team hotel you get treated to a fordham rams luau which sounds very lit even for a holy oh cross band <laughs> even for a Holy Cross fan like myself, I would I'll take part in the Luau. But uh yeah, that's something that I'm already looking forward to too, as my excuse to visit uh visit the islands. Um so yeah. Well, I think some some I know some other uh, kids at some other schools, they gotta get in the phone at their athletic department and say, Can we get a Hawaii game scheduled by X year so we can partake in a student luau? Oh my gosh, a student luau in particular would be I'm just thinking about the possibilities. Call that a heck of a tailgate, right? That'd be a particularly oh, great yeah. tailgate. So oh my goodness, the you're not gonna get that necessarily when if you're um, let's see if you're like Richmond playing at UVA, you just don't get the same experience yeah. <laughs> as if you're down in Hawaii. So that, uh, that's a good deal. I'm glad you're glad you're taking that up. Yeah, I mean, already uh, six years in advance, but uh, that's like, uh, for me, I told my mom, I was like, mom, like, that's the cutoff for like, when I'll, I will start trying to have kids if I, if I'm in a, if I, you know, if I'm married by that time, I will start trying to have kids after that, because I don't want my kids to hate me for, for leaving them at home while I, while I go to Hawaii. I don't want my kids to hate me for that. So, you know, there, there's no, there's no chance of them, do, of, uh, do them doing that if, uh, if they're not born yet. So, hey, uh, you know what, I, I think, I think that you have it all planned out. <laughs> you have it all planned out. I mean, that's uh, these these college football ads. You know, they uh, it's not like college basketball. We're like, I found out that that West Point was playing in London. I found out yesterday, and I was pissed. I was like, I'm like, that's something that like you should tell like your fans a year in advance that you're gonna play a met a multi team event in London. Like, you know, I mean, yeah, but. That, that's that's another that's another venting point for another time but uh yeah i mean i'm thankful a lot of people hate like the the matchups far in the future but i'm a fan of it too where i can just like list off games that i want to take trips to and that's that no i think the the point about mtes is fascinating because if it's a, especially if it's a long distance mte such as going over across the pond i mean delaware is reportedly rocco miller does a great job at rocco miller on twitter great follow i know he's a great resource for, for us all especially in this neck of the woods or at least i say my, my current neck east coast uh, is um was well, i'm losing track is an mte at penn delaware will pr- look to be heading to up uh, to the palestra for nice. the first time in uh I want to say a long time or ever. I don't know if Delaware's competed at the Palestra in my lifetime anyway. So I'm I'm showing my age here. You got to do it. You got to go. You got to go, Dash. And, and I'm going to fact check. It's going to be an error or omission when Delaware's men's basketball is like playing at Penn in the year 19. You fill in the blanks, right? So yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take the error or omission there if need be. But I do I do think that the MTEs that get announced, you know, they're a close range. Sure, you can you can always plan a trip to Philly later that year. But if you're talking about London, yeah, those West Point fans, they're saying it. Well, are we we're scrambling a little bit now if you want to make that MTE? But uh, the one MTE that this is getting totally off, <laughs> off on an MTE tangent that I, I can think of uh, talking to uh, the MAC commissioner about, and you've written about the MAC uh, in Dublin, the MAC uh, challenge with it getting its, getting its uh, 
basketball out there in that part of, of the world is interesting. And that, that, that's something that's kind of leaking out slowly and, and gradually in some ways. So that, that, that you can plan for, I guess, but, so, but other, others, not so much. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, that's just uh, something I'll have to like, uh, you know, digest it in like that weekend anyway. You know, it's like, uh, <laughs> like this year was year I was planning to go to the Bayou Classic anyway. So I mean, I, I guess it's, it's a moot point. But yeah, you know, may, maybe maybe next time uh, Army plays in a in a good in a really good MTE, you know, hopefully I'll be able to be there. So I guess uh, I guess that's a good I guess that's a good point to I guess close on. You know, we, we've already strayed from our topic. Um, <laughs> but this was great, Dan. Uh, always a pleasure to have these discussions with you too. And I mean, I learned more about uh, FCS and the CAA. You know, you know every every time every time we just we talk. So hey, I'm so glad to do it. It had been too long, so thanks for uh, bearing with me. And uh, once again, yeah, I mean, my only note for you would be talking about travel and talking about years in advance and planning. But this is our whole overarching. We'll say the one topic is all travel and years ahead, right? That's our one topic. We didn't stray at all uh yeah. so if that is our topic i will say gotta get you in frisco sometime for an fcs championship where we're overlapping oh, i'm considering it so i'm considering it this year for sure like i'm uh, just making the drive over just like road tripping you know um yeah i mean because like I'm, I'm only nine hours away out here in el paso so i mean uh very manageable drive don't have to fly there too and the mm -hmm. game's at noon so like you know just fly there friday after work stay in a hotel and just like head back the night after um yep. you know but uh, yeah, like you know, I'm I'm excited too. I mean, hopefully, if it's not if it's not a North Dakota State, if it's not a North Dakota State national title, um, you know, that then I'd be more inclined to like get a ticket and stuff like that and uh, make the trip. But you know, even then, if it's North Dakota State, you know, I I, I guess I, I guess I wouldn't mind. Um, but yeah, like that's definitely that's definitely a plan while I'm down here to check out the F the FCS title game out out here in Frisco. I don't blame you for wanting to see somebody different, somebody other than NDSU. But if you get a chance to see an NDSU crowd in person, you got shot. If you can't get to the Fargo Dome, that. So sorry, a brief note. Uh, Dan has had his Wi-Fi cut out due to a Wi-Fi storm. Uh, I wish I could hear what he was going to say to the end of it. So this will be the close of our podcast. Uh, I'll have this edited in. But as always, it was a pleasure to have Dan on the pod. And we look forward to having him again. And until next time, everyone, tune in to the Hardware Pod on the Between the Stripes Podcast Network. Peace, love, and soul, everyone.